Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Good evening, and welcome to Masterpiece Theatre. <laughs> oh, hi folks, I'm Timothy Harvey with Sci-Fi For Me, and this is the H2O show. We have a little technical issue going on right now. I know you're shocked. I know you're shocked. You're saying to yourself, what? A technical issue? This has never happened before. It's right. going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Right now, we just have a, we have a camera that is not cooperating. That's the only camera that's working. <clears throat> and it's the only camera that is working is the one that is pointed at me right now. So, um, no, Jason is not going to sit on my lap. No. Uh, I am not going to sit on Jason's lap. Neither one of us are light enough or svelte enough to make that work. So we're just going to do this. So we're going to move the camera and realign, and it's the wider two-shot version of things tonight. So... Uh, see, if Jason would just accept that the old tower has served him well for a long, long time, but it's time for it to go to the farm upstate, and then the new tower can come in. I even rebooted. Switch to the new tower. Well, Go buy those really nice, expensive... Uh, USB hubs, the ones you actually have to like plug into a small nuclear reactor because they power everything. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, um, um, that's that's what we have to look at. Um, and it's a well, challenge, by the way. I have I have I think six hubs at this point. Yeah. Of which two that I use on a regular basis. The 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 problem the problem with switching towers. There's a, there's a couple of there's a couple of issues that I'm running into right now. The new tower. Runs Windows 10. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. The new tower running Windows 10 automatically put in Microsoft Edge. Yeah. The new browser. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they did to everybody. And this new Microsoft Edge does not let you delete it. Right, that's also it's true. It's one of those that it's like, aha! I've launched Microsoft Edge exactly once to look at it and go, aha! And I've closed it, and I've never opened it again. Yeah. No, no well, offense to the fine folks at Microsoft. I'm sure you mean, you know, it may be a great being, browser, being but... Being that this tower is running Windows 10, the user interface, of course, is that clunky, chunky Tumblr it's, mess it's that thing, you it, can't yeah, find anything. The tiles thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking for Startup Manager. Mm. Because every time I start the computer, Bing launches, and Microsoft Edge. Oh. And I don't want them because on. mine doesn't do that. I have to we we'll have to see what we can it's, poke at. Well, because it's mine, at least at least I get big. And I don't. Yeah, use so big. I don't. I so at this point because that's that's just getting in there in your in your internet settings and turning Bing off and turning it. Well, see, I, a different I've, I've been looking for a way to do that, and yeah, it doesn't. Let, it doesn't want to let me do. I've that. done it because they were. It was set up this way for so, all of. So I have that issue. Uh huh. And then I have you know the issue that it's running Windows 10. 
which you get used I to. absolutely cannot stand. You get used to. Um, I I would like to, at the very least, I think I I I've been told there's a way to take the interface back to the Windows Seven paint job, mm-hmm. as you, if you will. It's still running Windows Ten. Right, right. So but you get the Windows it's Seven got a skin. interface. It's yeah, got one it's of the, a skin. Yeah. yeah. You know, you redecorate it. I don't like it. Mm. Um, and I say that to Windows 10 almost all the time. I, I don't like it. I, I cannot stand the layout mm. because it's it's elementary school Tumblr. I can't disagree with you. It's, I, and it is so annoying and so irritating and so insulting to my intelligence that it's all it's all alphabet blocks. And I, I'm getting a a weird there's a massive yellow bar across the the broadcast controller over there over on YouTube so let me oh, step over there interesting you can tell people what we're talking about um, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have to cross the camera but I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna see what's going on well we're gonna talk about the Powerpuff Girls <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. the news broke this is not the only thing we're gonna talk about but I'm gonna make a minor little rant here um, the Powerpuff Girls uh, is getting potentially. This has not been a. This is not a done deal, by the way. This is for the folks who are panicking about all of the news today about the Powerpuff Girls. Um, is getting a live action. I'm going to call it a gritty update, um, but the and 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 for there have been seeing people who have been complaining about the production team and who the people are involved. And I don't. I don't at this point. I don't care. I know who's involved with it. That that doesn't bother me. I don't care who the people are who involved me. Uh, there are there are reasons to be happy about some of the people, and there's people reasons to not, and blah blah blah. <clears throat> but we've talked about on this show uh, quite a few times about remakes and reboots and things like that. To the point, there's actually a whiteboard around here somewhere that says "Don't do that anymore." Um, and we've, of course, did it. Uh, didn't we do it last week? I think we did it last week. Um, <laughs> so clearly, we're ignoring the whiteboard. But here's the thing about the Powerpuff Girls is that the premise of the show is that they were not allowed to be children when they were superheroes as as little girls and they were not allowed to be children. Except they were. The premise of the show flies in the face of the actual show it's based on, which is the, the their father gave them a bedtime. And it literally was you know, um, Yes, the world is, you know, the end of the world is nigh. Make sure you brush your teeth. Yep. You know, and, and it was one of those things where the, it was all about them staying kids. And so this is not necessarily a bad idea. I do, I, the idea of a TV show about about children superheroes, the, the, the young Robins, the young, right. you know, growing up. And then as adults, feeling like they missed out on their childhood because they were crime fighters. There's nothing... I think that's actually an interesting idea that, if done well, could be kind of fun. But, the, but don't the do problem, it as, The Powerpuff Girls The problem work. that I have with a, a grim, 20-something, resentful Powerpuff Girls show, on the CW, no less, mm. so you know it's going to be all drama, drama, drama. The problem that I have with this is that you're going to have... You, there have been over the years, especially in the last two or three or four years, fan art. Mm, sure, right. Fan art of the Powerpuff Girls grown up. Sure, yeah. 
some of this fan art has been sexy fan art. Some of it yes, has it, not. Yep. Some mm -hmm. of it has gone a little gritty. Some of it has, has not. So you get a wide range. But the complaints and the agonizing over the sexualization of the Powerpuff Girls is coming from the same people who are likely to praise this as being stunning uh, and brave. I, I, I would disagree that's, with that. That's coming. I, I, there, I, think, I don't think there won't be any of that. I, think there I don't think the show's... If the show happens. At, but the thing is, I don't think... Uh, this is this is one of those things. This is one of those shows. You're I, not on Twitter, so you don't. Well, again, you, you cannot speak with authority. Twitter, on this. but Twitter, Twitter is a megaphone for a very tiny number I of know, people. I know, but Twitter is the thing Ex that everybody. Except, pays. See, yeah, but it's it. The, the, it gets way shouldn't. too much priority. They, uh, but go. it does. But 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 the the at the end of the day, I think, if it goes forward, um, by the time it comes to, they might have the words Powerpuff Girls on it. But it'll have the Powerpuff Girls name on it the same way that Riverdale has Archie Comics. Yeah, and there's and an Orlandi. Well, and there's so. an audience for that, and I, and I get that, and I realize that that I am not the audience. I, yeah. I completely realize that. Um, Powerpuff Girls. I wasn't necessarily the audience when it was on the air, but at the same time, it was something that a lot of people enjoyed, no matter who they were. And I think that's one of the things that that they're going to find if they continue to go down this route. Um, they're going to find that there are people who are going to say. I just don't know who would who who the audience would be for a show like this. Uh, it's just, well, they twenty something the, Tumblr crowd. I mean, what? Well, who, you know, who, 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 why? Who's, why who do we the, need to do this? Who's the audience for Riverdale? I don't know that that Riverdale has an audience. It apparently does. I don't 20 watch twenty something emo kids. I, I don't know. I don't watch it, but apparently people like it. It seems to be a thing, Gosh. and that's great. And then, you know, again, not everything has to be for everybody. That Riverdale doesn't have to be for me. Well, the, the, Archie Comics wasn't actually for me either. I was never a fan. Yeah. Well, I the other the that's other why I don't care about Riverdale. <laughs> the other complaint that I have about this, the other problem that I have about this, is that it's another reboot. Well, yeah, I mean, it's essentially it's a sequel, but it's a reboot because you've which never is, had live action. Which is like I said, I think the idea there's nothing inherently wrong with the idea of because we've child superheroes have been a thing since you know forever. Yeah. So, so doing a story about a but kid who you feels remember, that way. You remember when we had the conversation about? It's not a bad idea. About executives holding on to their youth. Oh, sure, no and question. Wanting to be perpetually young, and. Let's do the thing that I enjoyed when I was a kid. We're still doing that. Oh, there's no, yeah, no, there's no question. I think it's, I, I have a certain amount of suspicion that A, it's not going to happen at all. B, if it happens, it's not going to happen the way they're describing it now. Wow. And C, if it somehow does all those things, it will either find a really super solid audience that we will not be part of, probably. Right. I mean, hey, folks, it could be genius, brilliant, and we could be going, the, okay. The thing but is... it's not going to be targeted at, at... No, it won't be targeted at us, but we'll have to okay. pay attention to it because it'll be a superhero show. And we'll have to uh, at least be I, aware. I, I, yeah, we, we at least be aware. And, and it's, it'll be one of those things, I think, that it... If we have, we might have somebody on staff who enjoys it, and they be, and we'll probably have folks who sit there and go, uh, "I just don't care." And given that it's Greg Berlanti, it's likely to happen, and that gives Potentially, me yeah. that gives me the opportunity to mention. Speaking of Greg Berlanti, we can talk about our topic tonight. Yeah, 
and and shift over. I was um, just vamping so you could mess with the camera. Oh well, it's 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 messed up anyway. Um, for those of you who are watching live, we have our buffering issue again. Oh no. Uh, I have this yellow bar across that says there's not enough bitrate. The bitrate's wrong. And I've never changed the bitrate, and suddenly we have bitrate issues. Um, coincidentally enough, it's after I complained about YouTube getting rid of the email notifications, but I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Um, to be honest, we're just, I don't know. I, I... Well, the thing is... I, it's the, these are the same settings that I use on Live from the Bunker. How old is your But they're your the same tower. settings that I use on every single show, and it's only this show That's, where we have this issue, yeah, and I, I don't know why. It could be because there's multiple cameras. I don't know. Could be. But anyway, uh, what we'll probably do again this week is take the recorded... Uh, Sci-Fi Stop says it's coming through with no buffering. All right, so maybe YouTube's lying to me. <laughs> like that's ever happened before. Um, he says poking the bear. Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to poke the bear as much as I can. Um, if next week he come in and it's just like a headless body well, over next, here and a big blood week, spray. <laughs> next week we're taking a bye week, we right? Because you're, right? uh, you're doing the, the horror weekend thing, the virtual weekend thing, and we're, we have a plan. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um... All right, so uh, assuming that we're actually live and people can see us. Which we apparently are. Which apparently are. We're going to talk, because a while back when the DC Comics Warner Brothers bloodbath started, mm. we were paying attention to how it was all playing out. And it was just day by day by day was changing. And so we said, okay, we're going to hold our conversation about it until after Fandome. Right. So we can talk about it all at once. Right. Fandome wasn't everything because they ended up splitting it. So we don't get to talk about everything all at once because the rest of it happens September 12th. Although I have to say that considering the amount of content they actually gave, yeah. recy uh, re recycling it over two days gave folks a lot of chance because one of the things that you I really noticed and thought was rather interesting is they made a very concerted effort to not have this just be a US audience. It yeah. was very much aimed at being a global audience. Which considering how AT&T is looking at where they're spending their money right now, yeah. that makes a lot of sense for them to do. Um, and we could talk a little bit more about that because I looked at AT&T's numbers a little bit. Well, when AT well, okay, so let's let's backtrack to that point. When AT and T bought Time Warner, and it became Warner Media, they took on a tremendous amount of debt to the point where their net. I wrote this down. I, I have notes. That's for the people who listen on the podcast, right? Sure. Um. Where, did I, where is it? Uh, here. A net debt at the time of merger of $180.4 billion. Now, is that all Warner Mothers that's, or AT&T's that's debt? Every, that's AT all AT&T. Because AT&T yeah, AT came in with a lot of debt of its own. Yeah, and when they bought Warner, uh, Time Warner, it just it, it expanded that exponentially. So you have now, that. Now, bear in mind that when it comes to corporate debt... 
this is not necessarily, don't, you can't think of corporate debt the same way as you think of your own personal debt. They leverage corporate debt. Right. They, corporate, corporate debt is part of how a business, this is super simplified, how a business keeps score. Um, whereas if we go into debt to the tune of, you know, X number of credit card, thousands of dollars, yeah. you can actually, do, you know, your life can be completely wiped out. A corporation can run with a huge amount of corporate debt for a very, very long time and still be making money. It's, there's a reason you go to school to get accountants degrees because, <laughs> and some of these folks, you know, these really high powered accountancy companies yeah. get paid as much as they do because there's a lot going on here. All right. Mindy says the signal's coming through fine for her too. Excellent. So. All right. So, yeah. So then um, as part of their restructuring and refocusing and figuring out what they're going to do, they hire this kid named Jason Killar or Killer, as, as I've heard it said okay. a couple of times, uh, formerly of Google. Mm -hmm. And he is apparent, I think now the CEO of AT&T. Okay. And then it was quiet. It was, it was just kind of there. And we heard on the comic side, you know, there was there were these rumblings, and there were start. We were starting to get some rumors, and uh, Mike Miller was saying some stuff. Ethan Van Skyver was saying some stuff. You were starting to hear. You know, uh, Rob Liefeld was starting to talk about it, and the speculation at one point was, AT and T is going to. Uh, divest themselves of DC Comics. AT&T mm. is going to sell DC. And there were the powers that be, they were like, oh no, that's not going to happen, It's not going to happen. Well, fast forward to this year, AT&T starts, I mean, they've had all of this time, and, and it's looking back, they've taken all of this time to analyze everything. Yep. Where are we making money? Where are we losing money? What changes do we need to do? So you buy the thing. Now you've got to figure out, okay, what is it that we bought? Okay, now what do we do different? So Killar comes in and starts slashing executives, not just at DC, but across Time Warner, Warner Media, HBO. I mean, there's a massive reshuffling of corporate types and that trickles down into our area of focus, DC Comics and DC Entertainment. And we start getting reports about various different people who are no longer going to be with the company. One right. of those, Andy Corey. And there was much rejoicing because a lot of people blame Andy Corey for the failure of the latest version of Vertigo Comics, for example. Uh, Mike Cunningham, I think is his name, who was so. in charge of, of DC Black Label. And it was under his watch that we got Bruce Wayne's... Exposure. Uh, private parts at Exposure. And so Cunningham's gone. And Bob Harris, the editor-in-chief for so many years. Mm -hmm. And for some the source of a great number of frustrations because Bob Harris, being Bob Harris, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with comics industry history, Bob Harris was the one in charge of Marvel in the 90s when they went bankrupt. And I remember when, I remember when DC hired Bob Harris 
And I was just peripherally paying attention to comics at that point. But when they hired Bob Harris, I remember thinking to myself, why in the world would they do that? He just almost killed Marvel. But he's over there for a long time. He and Dan DiDio and Jim Lee. And then all of this reshuffling. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so all of this reshuffling. And now, you know, early, er, earlier, what was it, back in February, they got rid of Dan DiDio. Right. And we were hearing all of this stuff about 5G. And how 5G was going to be done. And now 5G was off the table. And it was Dan DiDio's baby. And that's what got him fired because he wanted to change everything. Right. right. All this, you know, the new generation of all these heroes, the legacy characters are all that were going to be gone. Well, you look over at Warner Brothers, Kevin Sujihara, because when, when AT&T bought Warner Brothers... Kevin Sujihara came in and he said, we're fast-tracking Wonder Woman. We're getting the DC Universe on, online. We're going to start making movies. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a big priority. Okay, cool. He gets it. Okay, fine. Well, and then the whole thing with what's-her-name happened. So Sujihara's out, and now Walter Hamada is in. Well, no, it wasn't Hamada because when Sujihara, yeah, Sujihara wins out, Walter Hamada came in. They put Dan, uh, uh, Jeff Johns and uh, Berg. What's his first name? Uh, John Berg? I think so. Yeah. I just drew a blank. So they put they put Jeff Johns and, Ber and, and, and Berg in. And that's when the whole debacle with Justice League happened. With, you know, Zack Snyder left. Joss Whedon comes in. That's that whole mess. And we're finding out now... There are some reports that DC Warner Brothers used Zack Snyder's daughter's suicide as a way to get him out. Not Zack Snyder needs to take a break. It's, oh, now you can leave. That's the report. That's what we hear. That's what I've heard in a couple of places. It's, I can't, I can't substantiate that or swear by it. I'm just saying, we're starting to hear rumblings and rumors that I would say until all that, was and, not and, well. Well, okay. So, but the thing the is set. that all wasn't well. All wasn't well. But, and, and all wasn't well for a while now because for all the folks who are... Remember this, folks. For all the folks who are rooting for, for Zack Snyder's Justice League, remember, there was a huge fan backlash at his interpretation of Superman. Yes. There was a huge fan backlash of his interpretation of Batman v Superman. Yes, fan, fans who really wanted to see his version of Justice League, are, you know, they, there's no question that fan, and, and also the cast support didn't hurt either. Right. So these, these folks all coming together and getting the, the Snyder Cut out to the world, that's great. I have no problems with that. I'm curious to see what it looks like. But the, the same issues that made people upset about Man of Steel and I've defended Man of Steel in some ways, but there are, there are issues with that movie. And the same issues that were there for Batman v Superman are not going to go away. True. With the exception of, I will say this, Snyder is a smart fellow. One of the things that if I were him, and I'm not, but were I, were I Zack Snyder at this point, recognizing that I have a chance to make the Justice League movie that I wanted to make, yeah. but also having listened to fan reaction over this time, audience reaction, the feeling of how people felt about that Superman coming in like that, um, 
you know, all the things that he was building to, because there was an arc to this story, right? The idea was, and that was part of the problem for some people, is that there was supposed to be this arc with Superman, where by the time Zack Snyder finished telling his story, the the icon was right. there, and and Man of Steel, and this is this is a problem with storytelling in movies, is that if you are trying to tell a multi-film story, you have to remember that every film in your multi-film story has to. T- has to stand on its own for the audience that watches that movie at yeah. that time. And that's, I mean, so it's a risk, right? Well, and the other thing, too, and I was one of the ones, you know, I, I criticized Man of Steel. The biggest the biggest problem that I had with Man of Steel was Jonathan Kent's death. And... It's a dumb scene. The, the, the way that he instilled fear into Clark... Because that runs completely counter to everything that's ever been established in the history of the And there's no question about that. But I also think that what Snyder was trying to do with rooting, and again, we've talked about the the risks of rooting your comic book story in the real world. It becomes very scary very quickly. Um, Is that what he tried to, what it seems to me that he tried to do was make Jonathan Kent a product of his time and look at the world, the real world, and Mm -hmm. what it would mean for a man who'd grown up during Vietnam and Watergate and all these different things to sit there and look at, realize that his son, everyone's going to want a piece of his son. And so I I get the logic behind it, or at least the way I interpreted it. Yeah. But it's, it's it's a risk with telling Superman stories. So if your, if your goal is to leave at the end of justice league with Superman being Superman, in the uh, you know what the what we think of as Superman, aside from this character on an arc, right? Um, we're just going to have to see. So again, folks, you know, it may be great. We may we almost sit there and go, "Gosh darn it, Zack Snyder, this is amazing. We wonderful. <laughs> Th- thank goodness this got made." Well, or the same problems I, may still exist. I think. Well, even if the problems exist, I think hindsight being what it is. Sure. I think that when Snyder got replaced with Whedon and didn't get a chance to finish what oh, he sure. started. And by that time we had heard Man of Steel, Justice League, Man of Steel Tour, whatever whatever that arc was going to be, we knew it existed. We right, knew right. that there had been a plan and now Snyder doesn't get to finish the plan so we don't get to see what the last act was going to be. and then, Which, by the way, happens in movie series all oh yeah. oh the yeah. time. Well, you look at Superman, Superman 2. Sure. Between Richard Donner and the first one and what Richard Donner shot for the second one and what, right. what uh, was it, Richard Marquand? Who, who did? I don't even remember. I don't know. Who, whoever directed Superman 2 eventually... It's still, you know, it's one of those things. You're using somebody else's footage and you're trying to remake whatever this idea was into something that you want to do, which is what Whedon did. Well, but also the the, the reaction that Warner had looked at, the re, had, had heard the reaction that people were having to the first two films. And they tried to do a, they tried to do a significant course correction after yes. most of the footage had been shot for the third film, which there's, there, I have news. Fixing it in post 
there's there's a reason why you can get if you say if you ever say the words we'll fix it in post and nobody says this anymore because they're yeah. liable to get stoned to death. Yeah. Uh, if you you say it on a film set and you say it as a joke, because if you ever say it seriously, you will get you will get such nasty looks. Yeah. You there will be glares well, and <laughs> glares of plenty. There was there was one point uh, when they were shooting when they were shooting Justice League. I remember early on a number of the genre media mm -hmm. Newsarama, Geek Tyrant, whoever, whoever else, I own I own this thing. Not us. We didn't get an invite. But there was a certain group of genre media types who got invited to the set. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that point it getting reported that Zach Deborah Snyder had done a lot of the talking. And Deborah had said, you know, we've heard the complaints, we've heard the gripes, we're doing some adjustments. And so there was PR and spin at that point. At the beginning of Justice League, Richard Lester, thank you, sci-fi snob, uh, there, was, there was that impression that the fans had an impact. Okay, that's where it started. Then Zack Snyder's out, Joss Whedon's in. People don't people don't like Joss Whedon's Justice League because the tonal shifts between what Snyder shot, what Whedon shot. <clears throat> da -da -da -da. Because you know, again, Snyder's definition of making it lighter and Whedon's definition of making it lighter. No, no bashing on Josh Whedon here at all. They're just different filmmakers. Yeah. Not to, not you know. For I know there are there it's 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 there's a reason there are reasons it's in vogue to to bash on on Josh Whedon right now, but the simple fact of the matter is, two directors who are not working together on a film, you're gonna end up with something that's schizophrenic. You just can't. It's yeah. that's just how it works. Well, and I think at that point we had already had the the PR flack on Whedon because of how he had written Black Widow in, in was it Age of Ultron? Black uh, Widow, that, his Wonder Woman script, his Wonder personal Strike. his personal life issues that yeah, were coming to the forefront. Yeah, all of that coming, every, every, all of that came out and then he gets handed Justice League. Well, not only that, I mean, if you look at, the, you know, it's one thing for him to make the Avengers movie and have it be the success that it was. There's a tone to the Avengers movie. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what, who, who, Josh Whedon coming in and redoing, I mean, the, 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 these are two vastly different types of storytellers when it comes to tone. Even Josh Whedon at his most kill beloved characters murder sprees, which you know it, that became a thing. That was part of his part of his business model. Is yeah. we love you, amazing, wonderful. Oh God, they're dead. Um, that was. I mean, he did that all the time. But even doing that. We're talking like super gigantic tones. This was never going to be a film that didn't look odd when it was done. Well, and then, and then you had this massive fan movement release the Snyder Cut. I mean, it just boiled out of nowhere. Well, and, and like, it just kept going and kept going. And they bought a billboard and they and they hired well, a plane. I mean, when you've got but when you've got the stars of the film, you've got Jason Momoa. Who is everywhere, oh. and you know he's got you know Aquaman ends up being a hit, and he's sitting there and going, "There's the Snyder Cut thing." I mean, this is incredible PR that people do not get to have very often. Right, fans out there, we all you know, 
for all the success of the Snyder, getting the Snyder Cut, bear in mind the odds of getting the high-profile figures like we got on the Snyder Cut cast being behind that. There's been the release the air cut thing. Oh yeah. But you'll notice there is not and it now it's early days. It's early days. Right. But the, you know what's been it's completely overshadowed that? James Gunn talking about his new suicide suicide squad. Well, I think the other the other part of that is that uh, how much of it was the PR blowback against Joss Whedon. And There's so many different pieces to this, though. Life's not fair to Zach. Zach should get a chance to fit it. I mean, there was so many things, and it just snowballed into this thing. Someday someone's going to look, and it's too close right now, by the way, yeah. guys. It really is. Someday someone's going to write a dissertation on this, and it'll be like, you know. Well, and, and an amazing, I think... There'll be a documentary. I think the other part of this was The Mandalorian. If AT&T... And and, it, and this came from AT&T. This was not a Warner Brothers thing. They didn't want to do it. Let's be clear. All the reports that I've seen, all of the rumors, all the YouTubers, all the you know, Hollywood Reporter and Forbes and whoever, if nobody at Warner Brothers wanted to do this. This came from AT&T, which means likely it came from Jason Kalar or somebody up there. There's this big fan thing what's what is this thing and then the mandalorian hit and disney plus is on the map right like that what have we got because we've got this hbo warner thing everybody's getting into streaming what have we got hmm we've got two streaming services uh, well because dc universe is going to fold into War hbo max right Right. But at the time... At the time, yes. But see, now you have an opportunity. And I think this was one of these perfect storm moments where somebody at AT&T got a hold of Toby Emmerich and said, what's this Snyder Cut thing? Call him. Let's see it. And so you Can have Can we make screening. money on this? Yeah, you have a screening for like four or five executives, and they say, okay, what's it going to take to finish it? Oh, another 20 or $30 billion. Okay, do it. If HBO Max was not in play, we would not be getting the Snyder Cut. If HBO Max was not as much of a financial disappointment as, as it has been so far, we would not have been getting a Snyder Cut. If they had looked at two different streaming services that they had and realized they were splitting market share, and yeah. this is this, there's you have to understand a lot of things about AT and T. First of all, this most recent spate of layoffs it impacts the comic industry, it impacts the DC universe quite a but, bit. But this is also how AT and T leans into solving their some of their financial issues. Since 2017, they've laid off 50,000, 50, people. Yeah. So this is not this is not a this is not an isolated incident for AT and T's business solution. Right, and it's not just DC Comics. No, it's, it's not, no, no, no. Across the board, right. and you know they're looking to get rid. You know they're 
they're going to sell CNET. Mm. They're going, they're, they're, well, no, that's, that's, that's Viacom CBS. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. They're having problems too. That's a whole other conversation because that's a mess. Uh, hey, yeah, we'll talk about that at some point. Um, because I heard something about Picard and I don't have any details about it. Mm. But I got told I know somebody who's going to be working on the second season of Picard. And if they do what we hear they're going to do, everybody's going to hate it. I didn't get anything more than that. I was like, oh, really? Do tell. He's like, nope, can't, I, can't, I can't say anything more. I was like, oh, crap. But you already... Uh, you, anyway, Viacom CBS, we'll, we'll look at that at some point. So, yeah, this is going on. You've got um, Crunchyroll possibly on the table as a sale, um, which is their anime mm -hmm. division. And, you know, this starts bubbling back up. They're going to sell DC Comics. They're going to sell the, and they're just going to license the, the characters. Well, it turns out that's not going to happen. Jim Lee says, we're going to continue making comics. But in an interview with Hollywood Reporter, he gets into corporate speak, and he starts talking about profit. And this is a conversation that has not happened in I don't I the last five ten years of the comics industry no it's always been the club it's always been a community it's always been this you know this <coughs> we're all friends here thing you know Andy Hardy put on a show in the barn nobody treated it like a business and that was one of the complaints from the comicsgate people was you're selling a product you are selling a thing and you want as many people as possible to buy the thing. It, you want it to be good. You want it to make a profit. And nobody in the industry, nobody at the publishers, were talking about profit. C.B. Sobolski is talking about his favorite food in New York. Well, and, you know, and that, it's, yes, it's all social media. Well, and it's stuff. a social media. And I think we have to also have to bear in mind that to some degree, this is a marketing strategy. You don't necessarily go out and talk to your audience who is your comic buyers about profit. They care about the characters. Right. They don't... And, and to some degree, you're, you're expecting them to understand that the reason the comic book series that they were reading got canceled is because it wasn't making enough sales. Which, so they don't... Except... Except they don't... But they yeah, don't... You would, you would think that. You would, except... There were so many books that continued to be published, even though they were not selling. Well, assuming what they're Jim, what... Jim Lee acknowledged this, saying we're, we've got twenty to twenty-five percent of our line that was either not breaking even or costing money, and this and I get not telling your customers, mm -hmm. but in the trades, this is the first that this conversation is being had as well. Well, and that could also be just a, rea a reality that the one of the things that we've seen, especially over, you look at how comic books are being bought by people right now. You see the the prevalence of the graphic novel, which is really becoming a purchased item for a lot of people. Right. For two re for a number of reasons. First of all, you get all six issues of that arc at the same time. You get you know you don't have to wait a month. Yeah. And we're 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 we've 
been transitioning entertainment-wise into the ooh must binge, right? And we're gonna we see that in comic books too. But also, it's less expensive for the publisher to put out a graphic a six you know, a single graphic novel of six issues of story than it is to publish and ship six issues of story. The dollar signs actually work out better in terms of the graphic novel. As much as it pains me, um, because I'm old enough, uh, and the world changes when I'm every time I turn around. Um, on an economic level, putting the monthlies out as digital and selling the graphic novels as mm-hmm. the physical item, economically, doesn't matter whether you like it or not. I'm just talking sheer numbers sure. and money here. Right. Economically, that's a much more viable business model. And the only way reason that we would even have that is because we are consuming so much electronic media. Ten uh, years ago, it wouldn't have been an economically viable business model. Well, and six months ago, you know, it probably wouldn't. But, mm. but then all of this pandemic yeah. crap happened. And Diamond Comics distributors see there's a bunch of different things. We haven't even gotten into DC Fandom yet. Right. So Diamond Comics distributors, which has had a virtual monopoly on distributing books forever. Although that's not entirely true. They tend to leave out some of the things that some of the some of the other chain stores like Barnes and Nobles and right, Borders. Books and would see that's these, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is is that they were still selling comics. And so recognizing they were they were getting this stuff from not from Diamond. Diamond was the primary the primary monopoly for the brick and mortar comic book stores. Right. Uh, there's but there's the a distinction. Distribution, there. The book distribution, a lot of that was going through like Scholastic or sure. um, uh, what's the other um, Yeah, there's a, there's random, actually random house yeah, and there's stuff. there's like five. But then Diamond says we can't we can't ship anything. And it's all sitting in the warehouse. And, oh, by the way, we can't pay any of our bills. And suddenly, within two weeks, the entire comics industry was on life support. And what do we do? Now what do we do? What, ha- what happens next? And, and DC, and I'm sure that this com- comes after conversations with AT&T. Oh, I'm sure. DC comes up and says, okay, we're not going to distribute through Diamond anymore. We've got these other two places that'll do it. You know, Lunar and I think DCS, BCS or something. And so, okay, we're going to split the country. You got, you know, Lunar takes this section, uh, BCS takes this section, and we're going to distribute comics. And we're going to get them out on Tuesday. And the, 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 uh, the pictures that we've been seeing of the packaging because Steve Jeppy took back the role of president of Jeppy Family Enterprises so I'm, I'm back in charge and he went on this big PR campaign hit all of these different YouTube, YouTube channels know. and yeah, everything's going to be great, everything's going to be great everything's going to be great and then they come up with this little logo this little yellow logo now Yellow was a bad color choice from a psychological standpoint because yellow is associated with fear. If you're yellow, you're a coward. Or yellow uh, well, journalism, or yeah, there's there, there's negative connotations. Well, to and that certainly color. and certainly for like signage, 
It's an al- It's generally an alarm color. Yeah, and it's based on the the Comics Code Authority logo, which was when the comics industry was censoring themselves in the wake of the whole Wortham thing, so they wouldn't get censored by right. government officials. Right. They said, okay, we'll do it ourselves. Uh, that noise earlier was, you know, I don't think we're going to have to reset the clock. I think I think the dog knocked over something. Uh, uh, so we'll I'll, I'll investigate later. Everything, I think everything's okay. Let's see. But, you know, they do this, you know, oh, she, Mindy dropped her phone. Ah. All right, so... So Steve Jeppy comes in, and they do this thing, you know, our comeback will be greater than the setback. Well, okay, that's nice. Marketing, PR, is what you do. How? What does that mean exactly? You're laying off people. You're not delivering your books. You're not, you're not doing your job, and you can't pay your bills. How well, is your comeback? What does your comeback look like? And interestingly enough, there's this, during all this time period, there's all these news stories about how this is going to, you know, you know, how terrible DC is for doing this, or how great DC... I mean, there's just all... It, the, the range of opinion is the entire spectrum. I mean, yeah. there's just no question. Everyone's got a different opinion. Oh, and the rage from people like Hibbs. There was, yeah, there well, were a lot of people... Brian Hibbs, Brian Hibbs complains about everything. But there's, yeah, there's a lot... There's, there's, there's a, there was a legitimate anger. There was fear. There were people who didn't know, what, what is this going to mean? And, and one of the things that I saw suddenly pop up is all these... Dynamite horror stories. I'm sorry, not uh, uh, diamond. Diamond. Yeah. Too many. Die. Dynamite. Dynamite's another that's conversation. Another, that's another we'll conversation. do that later. Um, but the thing is, is I mean, the, all these, you know, they, you know, they, we never, you know, my book showed up six months late, yeah. or they, they showed up with the packaging torn and their water damaged, or you know, they sh- or sh- a lot of shortage stories. Yeah. But the thing is, is that because when you make this, when you, no matter what you do, no matter, no matter what anybody's intentions are, no matter what the situation is. You make this kind of significant change to the business model and how people expect things, it's going to cause concern at the least, yeah, panic at the t- at the at the extremes. Well, and the diamond stories are not new. No, 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 no. This kind of thing has been going on since Diamond has had a but monopoly. But suddenly they were yeah. everywhere. Well, and now there was a basis of comparison because yeah. Lunar is sending books, and they're. Double wall boxed and, and and it's it's almost like somebody decided how would we pack this if we were putting Mindy in the box, you know, bubble wrap and newspaper and all of this padding and everything. And it was like the books don't touch the corners of the box. I mean, pristine. Just everybody was like, look at how perfect this is. Well, you know, someone sat there and went there and said. You know, I was working at this comic book shop in Denver, and I got an order from. The box was just, and yeah. there was. Well, and <laughs> all I think, the things. And I it's think like, it let's, helps. Let's do that, shall we? <laughs> I think it helps that these two distribution hubs are run by comic shops. Right. So they which get was it. which was a lot of a lot and of people were concerned about too, that. Yeah. You know why but, would you we're buying from our competitor? But now you start seeing these photographs. I here's my shipment from Lunar. All the all the books are perfect, no damage at all. I got all of my order, no shortages, no anything. And then our our comeback is better than our setback. You know, as greater than our setback, boxes start showing up. Yeah. And they've got the big label on them, that big yellow sticker. 
on the side of a damaged box. It's not good PR. And bent books, and you know, and, and I, I only got half my order. Where's the other half? So all of this is going on. So DC starts to look a little vindicated now. And there's still there's still some issues in the pipeline. Oh, some yeah, people no have, you know, there's some hiccups, it's, but it's for a, the most part, look, it's a significant change. Yeah. And and for however forward looking you might want to be for whatever industry you're in, significant changes are and disruptors. I, and I think I saw you know a lot of people sitting there go, "Okay, so you've got to order from two different systems. So what? Yeah. You're complaining about that? That's oh, that's too much work. Boo hoo. Yeah. Well, and I mean, okay, as a book dealer, for 15 years, yeah. I have news, kids. Yeah, I ordered. I let's see. On on Mondays, I called two different music distributors uh, with the hope that I could get the quantity that I wanted. I would place orders. I would get a. I would get a corporate a comp, an order from my company. This was Borders back in the day. Of I, they would sit there and go, all right, we're sending you a hundred copies of the new Tom Clancy one this week. Next week you get this many copies, et cetera, et cetera. But if you need more, then go ahead and call these people and these people and these people, and you can right. we can we can have something overnighted to you or whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> I made five <laughs> or six calls a week yeah. to distributors yeah. for for book product. Well, and and you know it's <sighs> and that's not including my magazine product or my. Or the calendar product, or yeah. anything. Ugh. Well, and to to expect everything to go <laughs> smoothly, one hundred percent across the board, is a little unrealistic. It's but a lovely thought, though. As everything plays out, DC now looks like the good guy in this because, or, or at, at least they had the foresight yeah. to do something. You'd never had a pencils down order from DC. Now, they did switch a few books to digital right. to finish them, which a lot of people complain about because if you're a completist, right. you, you don't have the whole run now in print. But at but the same time... You're saving money. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's what it is. That's money. But to hear Jim Lee sit there and go, you know, we're cutting 20 to 25% of the line, which is something that a lot of people have been saying should have happened years ago. And by the way, this is not the first time that comic book... DC cut a significant. Uh, was it the seventies? Seventies or yeah, they were only doing like f- fifteen or twenty titles then. And but prior to that, they'd had like double that. So they the the and it wasn't quite fifty percent. I want to say it was like forty percent of the line. Well, because in the nineties they had f- four. They had four separate Superman titles. Yeah, so they, you end up with these giant deep cuts. This is not the first time this has happened. Right. Um, but but it's significant in that they're now talking about profit margins they haven't been when everybody's there going okay uh, you know the 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 catchphrase of the of the decade it seems like has all been about diversity well okay diversity is fine but if you're not making any money then then what good is it because at the at at the end of all of this all of these conversations that they're having at AT and T. Jason Kalar is saying, okay, how much did you make? How much are you costing us? Now, there's there's logic to this, and there's also some cons to this, and I want people to be aware that this is something that we... we this is something we need to be concerned about in a general sense, is that the arts and profitability is a struggle. 
and it's certain sometimes it's not sometimes it depends on what it is mm-hmm. um, and if you're you're not going to get for example the profitability off a comic book movie that you're going to get I'm sorry you're going to get a, a, a very high potentially so, you know you're potentially you're yeah. you know your Aquamans your Wonder Womans your Avengers you're ma- you know you're making all this money right and you've made back your bill you've made back your money you've made back your budget you've made a profit on the deal etc cetera, etc cetera. comic book margins are much much narrower right and they have a much tinier audience the scale we talked about this last week the scale of these audiences is vastly different so my concern with the AT&T we're looking at things on from a purely from a profitability standpoint is that their metrics Yep. On when, how long, and how much concerns me a bit. Well, because at the same time, and and now we can start getting into a little bit about what DC Fandom is. We, this might be a longer show. Um, so there is uh, Walter Hamada who comes in because Jeff Johns and John Berg got fired. Mm-hmm. Walter Hamada comes in, and there's a panel that Tiffany Smith moderated with Hamada and Jim Lee and uh, 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 Greg Berlanti. And in that panel, Jim Lee talks about the synergy between... He didn't use the word synergy, but it's it's one of those advertising... Buzzwords. speak buzzwords. The synergy between everything across all the platforms. And when you look at their move into a lot of digital first titles mm-hmm. that will eventually be printed. And some of those, I think, will probably be printed as floppies, single issues. Sure, there, there, I think there's always going to be somebody who's, who wants to buy a floppy. And then you have the movies and the television shows and all of these things that are aligning. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I think they recognize one of the mistakes that Marvel made and we've talked about this uh, a couple of times, is the fact that I go to an Iron Man movie and I see Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark as Iron Man, Mm -hmm. and I go to the comic book shop to pick up an Iron Man comic book, and it's this black teenage girl named Riri. Who's this? What is this? this This isn't what I saw in the movie. And the comic books didn't align... Well, there was no newsflash. New they still don't. Uh, well, Tony, no, they Tony, don't. Tony Stark was dead recently for a significant chunk of the Iron I know, Man I know, recent I know. run. But so what I'm saying using, is, what well, using a, Riri as an example is is an easier target than, than well, how the okay. industry actually so works. So I go to pick you up know. a Hulk book, and it's Amos, it's Amadeus Cho. It's not Bruce or, Banner or, or you Thor. Go, and it's Jane well, Foster. All of the characters that you saw in the movies. But if you go now, you pick no. up a, hor- a, a Thor title. It's a horror title. Right. So I mean, the, again. So they're still doing it wrong. Well, or there's there. Because if you look at what DC is about to do, that's a whole different argument. Well, yeah. I mean, from an from an opportunity standpoint, you talk about the comic book market is so small. But the thing is, is that so many of the people, and this is this is a this is a we can get into this in a deeper discussion at some point. Yeah. But one of the things I think that we we it's easy to lose sight of, is that the folks who go to see Robert Downey Jr. play Iron Man. A significant percentage of them 
will sit there and go, oh, I don't buy comic books. And they have never yeah. bought comic books, and they're never going to buy comic books. The <coughs> folks know. who are likely to go to the comic book store to buy the comics are usually going to be aware that these are not the same mediums and the characters are different. Now, one, Just, one of the things that came out of this panel is, and we, we've seen this uh, started, mm -hmm. and there were a number of people that were making these predictions early. Ethan MacGyver called it a long time ago that they were going to lean really heavily into the YA. Mm -hmm. And they are. They are going, they are going full, full stop into the YA books, and it's one of these things in an attempt to expand their audiences, to get more readers, get more people interested in comic book characters. Whether they're doing the comic books or not, these are the characters in some way, shape, or form. This is all going to be kind of Elseworlds type of stuff. The other thing to bear in mind you know, is that the comic book target audience is 15 to 35 you there's the, the fifth, there's new 15 year olds every year there's the 35 year olds move so the so yes of course obviously people buy comics past 35 obviously people buy comics before but this is how your marketing demographics work right right so and you, you want to expand that well you not only you want you not only want to do this you want to do this. Yeah. You got to keep adding the. You got to keep adding those fifteen-year-olds and those sixteen-year-olds because the folks at the other end. One, well, one day you and I shall pass away, and we will not be buying comic books from them anymore. I had okay, so. I have told you about the daymares that I have every now and again about the falling from heights and stuff. I had a new one show up this morning. Oh, good. Yeah, I know, right? It was like, oh, hey, that was new. Lucky you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> drowning in boiling oil. I have no idea where it came from. I was like, what in the world? Okay. You need to stay away from this? state fairs. I, for what, you know, when, when we have state fairs again, I know, right? you can't go. I don't remember the last time I went to a state right. fair. But the you know, it was like suddenly I found myself getting sh getting pushed into this thing. And a metal grate being put on top of me. I was like, yeah. okay, hold on. Third degree burns okay. on the outside do, and the inside. Do not tour any cooking factories. I do, don't know where that came from. Do not from. even go to a kitchen supply store. Yeah. Stay out of that, cor that, that <laughs> portion of Target. Yeah. Yeah. Sci-Fi says, speak for yourself, Tim. I have a plan to live forever. Um, now, okay. Robert, I, I have no problems with the plan. It's the execution. Yeah, it's the execution of the point. <laughs> Robert makes a good point about punchline, though, because this is this is another bugaboo. Because you know they talk about diversity and all that. Okay, fine. You want diversity? Make new characters, and that's been the thing. Is why change existing characters? Why not expand and and do more characters? Now, of course, we tried that with Milestone. Which is coming back. Which is coming back. Which I'm excited about. I know it's gonna be it's gonna oh. be fun. But see, Milestone did exactly that. Mm -hmm. We're going to do brand new characters. And then for twenty years, twenty years, a whole universe essentially went untapped. Yeah. Which is just And for, quite frankly Except the, for static. Well, yeah, but DC also did some major missteps when they incorporated the Wildstorm universe in. Because it, they even, and a lot of this is New Fifty Two fault, because with the with a lot of the a lot of the issues with New Fifty Two, rolling all of these things and new versions of all these things, yeah. a lot of what made things like 
the Wildstorm universe unique on its own. Um, which is why this whole multiverse thing... We told you! <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is, I mean, now the rebirth fix folds in Watchmen, which mm-hmm. up until that point was not part of the DC continuity. Um, all of the all of the the vertigo stuff from New Fifty Two that saying and now suddenly is kind of mixed in and around and mashed up and whatever. But because by also by doing that, they're allowed they've allowed themselves so many outs to make themselves give. Suddenly, we have the multiverse again. Yeah, and I'm fine with the multiverse. So I think the multiverse solves a lot of problems. It may cause a few, but it solves more problems than it causes. For as much as Crisis on Infinite Earths is. No question, perhaps the most iconic comic book series of all time. Yeah. And it will be very, very hard for someone to, dis- <coughs> to displace that. And I get the logic at the time, the number of problems it caused I, I, going forward in terms of... So here's the thing. Here's the thing about the box you tell your story in. Mm. Okay, Their concern was, was that their box had... No sides, and there was no, you know, there was no, it was, there were too many, all, everything that had been in the box was scattered across the room. Now you get it put back in the box, we could sit there. The problem is, is that as a writer, um, you're in a box again, and the box is closed. And then they, and they did a pretty good job of, of, because they shuffled around the stuff that's inside the box. Suddenly these characters are in the same universe, which means that the relationship between the Justice Society and the Justice League is a little different, yeah. which means you have those stories you can tell. So there's there's some freedom in being... It's a big box. Yeah, right? there's some opportunities. It's a really big box. But at the same time, eventually you're in that box again, and it's like, I can't get out of here. It's it's dark, and, and, and I'm cold. And, and so suddenly you have somebody sneaking in something like Hypertime, which is the multiverse with... A, different paint well, job and you know well and then you know when, when they brought when they brought Barry happens. Allen back yeah. and they bring Hal Jordan back you know and, and you know, and Jeff Johns was responsible for a lot of mm-hmm. that and of course Jeff Johns does rebirth mm-hmm. and you know Flashpoint creates the new 52 which breaks everything and causes all sorts of problems it was it was an immediate success not only for DC, but it boosted the comics industry all the way across the board. Number, Everybody was number new number ones do that. Yeah, but this but. not only was a new number, a, a whole series of new number ones, fifty-two of them, mm-hmm. which everybody went, "You are insane to do that a many lot books." Of titles. Um, but some of them were just six months run, you know, right? Whatever. Okay, and unfortunately, fine. unfortunately, some of them are more interesting ones. Were the were the short run? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and. Long term, however, mm. it was not a fix. It was not a good play. And of course, DC recognizes this. Jeff Johns writes Rebirth, and everything gets reset again. And oh, it was Doctor Manhattan's fault. Wait, what? I mean, it, it was clever. It was, it was clever. A clever the, fix. To be, but to be honest, it would have been a much more clever fix if the timing on publication had worked out better. Because when you basically had the ending of the comic series and the final episodes of the miniseries hitting at the same time, uh-huh. you literally got to look at the end of those two stories and go, 
movie version might actually be a more inter I'm not saying a better ending. I'm saying a more interesting ending. Right. After a while, you know you know how Doomsday Clock is going to end. You do. I mean, you just you just do. There's and I'm not saying it's a bad ending because I, I I quite enjoyed I didn't quite enjoy the series overall. Except Doomsday Clock wasn't in play when Rebirth happened. No, but when Doomsday Clock comes along, we're basically telling two Doctor Manhattan stories and all part of the part of the whole Rebirth evolution of how yeah. it's been playing out. You end up with these two stories that feature Doctor Manhattan in two different mediums. One of which is getting a bigger audience than the comic book audience necessarily by how these things play out, and you go. Boy, I wish the comic one had come out like two months earlier, and then I could sit there and I'm not comparing two mediums at the yeah. same time, telling not the same story, but stories that have similar. They're, they're they're talking about the same kind of big themes. Right. Now, Flashpoint is what we hear we're going to get in the Flash movie. At a DC fandom, we had ten minutes of Ezra Miller spouting flash facts which okay fine whatever um now not, we not saw every neat program in fandom it, a lot of them were very very it, cool yeah some some of it was some filler, of it some of it was, it was okay but what we got it was a convention because <laughs> uh, walter hamada acknowledges now that everything's in play yeah the multiverse is in play and what's going to be established in the flash for sure definite that's that's a piece of it, but then you know they were talking about Ezra Miller showing up on the Flash on the CW, mm -hmm. that being the nugget, the seed of right. all of this, and for Ezra Miller's Flash to get his code name from Grant Gustin's Flash, apparently is going to carry over into the movie. Yeah, okay. So now that raises the question: Is Grant Gustin going to show up in Flashpoint? Possibly in a flashback. Maybe. I did it. I can't believe I said it. I know, you did, right? Um, yeah. But he'll be there and gone and in a flash. He's, you know, it's it's that. He's not going to be in the movie. Will it be brief? But, <laughs> yes, be quick. Quick as a wink. So fast you miss it. Um, Blinking you miss it. But, but that sets up the multiverse. Which is really... If they do it right, if they do it right, it could work. I think. Well, I think honestly, again, we come back to the box. In terms of in terms of movie storytelling, it does free you up to be able to sit there and literally have two different actors playing Batman at the same time. Trust me, audiences are going to be able to tell them apart. Mm -hmm. And two different Superman, two different. I mean, the you know we got we got we got the Black Adam uh, yeah. teaser stuff this at, at Fandom and. You know, that means you can actually get them, you know, you can, if you don't want to have, or say you want Patterson's Batman to be his Batman, you can still have Michael Keaton show up as Batman in, in, yeah. in all these things, well, which is, again, thing, your play, your, your sandbox is bigger. The other, the other part of that is, you know, with, with Black Adam, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson has teased, mm. and we don't know that this is actually going to happen, but he has teased a confrontation between Black Adam and Superman. Mm -hmm. So sh could Henry Cavill show up in Black Adam? Because we're getting the Justice Society. Right. And the version of the Justice Society that we're getting is not the 1940s Justice Society. 
Right. We're getting Hawkman, Doctor Fate, Cyclone, Atom Smasher, and I don't remember the fifth one. Which is the Robinson uh, Justice League uh, yeah. Justice Society from the nineties, uh, early two thousands. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So it's because because originally Hawkgirl was going to be in it, and somehow it didn't work out, and they ended up replacing her with Cyclone. So this is a later generation, a later iteration, because mm-hmm. we don't have the Flash, we don't have Alan Scott, Green Lantern, as far as we know. At this point, yeah, because at, at this point, point this is... So if this is a modern time Justice Society, and Black Adam is coming after the Flash, I think, right, mm-hmm. release time, so maybe Flashpoint allows the Justice Society to live in the same universe and the world and the time as the Justice League and you get more crossover potential there. And still and still have the Snyder universe where you had Wonder Woman as a hero basically flying under the radar mm-hmm. until, you know, yeah. we have the modern age of heroes with Superman and Batman. Well, but yeah. with I guess I guess in the Snyderverse, Batman would be the first superhero because he's been operating for a while, or at least the first public superhero. They have retconned because Wonder Woman showed up in World War One. Right, but she also apparently, yeah. and we'll, I'm but, sure we'll get more detail in '84 because. But that establishes that she was the first. Superhero. But in terms, but in terms of the Not modern, long term, yeah, yeah, modern, but in terms yeah, of the modern yeah. area, it seems to be Batman. So, Hamada says. All things are possible. All these, you know, this is all multiverse. And then he drops that Pattinson's Batman is a year two Batman in another story universe, Mm -hmm. in another continuity. Right. So they're leaning into the multiverse already just with all of this, because not only do you have, you've you've got Pattinson doing his Batman, you have Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton who both, according to Andy Machete, both have significant roles to play in The Flash. And we saw that concept art of the new costume, right. which was made by Bruce Wayne, which Bruce Wayne we don't know, but it looks a lot sleeker. There's less fishing line. Well, because, I mean, the costume... it looks like Grant Gustin's costume. Well, and of course, the, the idea was is that Ezra Miller's costume... Would be the one he put together himself. You know, he's a right. he's a scientist guy. He put it together himself, but it, he wasn't necessarily thinking about pretty. He yeah. was thinking about functional. Well, to, and so, then with, with a little pretty on top. And so now Tony Stark gives Peter Parker his new suit. Oh, wait, I, I mean Bruce Wayne gives. Although Barry in, Allen in, his new in suit. all fairness, if we if we're getting um, well, it depends on which depends on which Wayne we're getting with Michael Keaton. If we're getting Thomas Wayne, no, we're getting Bruce Wayne. Because you see the you see the the the, the costume he's wearing is eighty nine. I'm just saying, if we get or, or we're getting um, or we're getting Batman Beyond, or we're getting I mean because the thing is is that if he gets if he gets a Bruce Wayne designed costume from the Batman Beyond future, mm-hmm. um, well we already know that Bruce builds costumes. Yeah. Um, uh, Robert points out feathers are probably still too expensive for CGI for a whole movie. And I would direct your attention to Hawk and Dove in Titans because those those feathers are practical. And uh, we saw a, a thing over, over the weekend. Um, what's her name who plays Dove? 
I can't remember her name. Um, Haley Steinfeld is that who is that who plays Dove? Anyway, she was talking about how these things are so heavy, and they completely change how you move because sure, of how right. they you know you gotta adjust. So that's all practical. Um, so I don't think that they would have very much of a problem doing feathers. Uh, for a for a whole movie because it would be like it would be like the capes because you have the beauty cape you have the flying capes right you have the stunt cape you have the fighting cape there are various different versions and then you of have the capes. one that is one hundred percent CGI because yeah, it's which about, looks dumb it's well or it's the I one mean, that it does it looks dumb it's the one that it's going to defy the laws of physics therefore you can't. I know, but it looks dumb, and it looks CG. A lot of Every yeah. single time I'm looking at it, yeah, that's a CG cape. Okay, CG cape. But all of the different capes, you use a different type of cape for whatever scene you're right, doing. Right. They'd probably do that with uh, Don Granger plays Dove. Okay, thank you. Um, or you just lean all in, and you go with the Flash Gordon Hawkman wings. <laughs> And you get Brian Blessed to you get Brian Blessed to make a, a an appearance. There's a video on the Guardian website. I want to say because they did an interview with him, mm-hmm. and I, I, I where he was talking about being at home and COVID. And you know, this is the guy who's in his you know eighties, something like 80s, that. Yeah. And he's still he's one hundred. It's all Brian Blessed. Oh, there's yeah. this, there's no diminishment to this man. <laughs> he is when Brian Blessed. The the volume level of the world will be noticeable less when yes. Brian when we lose Brian Blessed and it will be a quieter and sadder word, world for it. I think who would he play if you put him in a DC movie? Who who would you? Okay, so two roles come to mind. You do the apocalypse. Um, uh, you do the, you do a full on uh, third world or, or fourth world. Oh yeah, movie, yeah, Kirby. right. Yeah, you go you go all in for the crazy, right? You just lean into the into the into you take Kirby's designs and you say, okay, how do we make these real? And you just you run take with the it. Production designer of Thor Ragnarok, right? Who's and, already done Kirby? Yeah, and did it really and, well. And then you lean into it heavy, yeah. and you make him High Father. Oh, that could so work. that's that's, yeah. that's your first one, right? That's yeah. that's the one where the visual thing. Okay, yeah, put him in there, and then when then you cast, uh, of course, now you have to now you have to think about really have to think about. Who's dark side? Who whose presence can go up against Brian Blessed? Yeah, but dark side's CG, so you just need a voice. You need the voice, and um, James Earl Jones. Ooh, ooh, tempting to me. So anyway, Michael Ironside did it for the he, animated. He did, he did a really well, good and, and actually they've done they've done really good with casting dark side voices. Yeah, there's been there's been no no dark side no actor who has been. Cast as to play Darkseid in any of the animated stuff. Have I sat there and gone? I'm not buying you know, the power here. You know, since since Darkseid since Darkseid is a since a, a CG. You know who you could get. You could get Brian Blessed. You could get Brian Blessed <laughs> <laughs> as Darkseid and High Father. There you go. So that's the other one. Um, in terms of, uh, I really want to see Brian Blessed. Play so we're already getting a Maxwell Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So what I kind of want to get is Justice League International. I want a funny superhero. Oh. I want a no. I want a funny super. I want I want the Giffen years. 
I wanted the Keith Giffen years because I want. No, it's your funny. It's your funny superhero movie, right? Because they haven't got this right yet. But if you're going to do it, um, there's uh, gosh, now I can't remember his name. Um, Oberon. No. No, it was the. It was the. It was the guy who was actually ended up sort of being their. Um, he sort of ran their business operation for them. He was the. It was a shorter. It was a shorter character with white hair. Oberon. With. It was, but he was just a normal like person. The, l- 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, was, sure. was that his name? I, I think. I think that was. Yeah, because he was from Fourth World. Okay. All right. But he's. Because I, I brought the contrast between like all these silly characters, uh, and, and actually considering that there there were some really great storylines in some of the Justice League internet, especially in the early days. I don't, I don't, I don't think it held up over time. No, we didn't. Um, but because um, I think I just, the visual contrast in terms of you know the Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, One and, Punch, and Brian Blessed. I want, I want a really fantastic. Is, you'd have to the the way you'd have to do that though. You'd have to do Lord of the Rings stuff because Oberon's small. He's ish. small. He's small in the comic, and it's it's it's. I mean, Brian Blessed is not a giant man. He's a giant presence. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's just anyway. That's, anyway, yeah. that's just my that's so, my second choice. So we have Went so now we have one. multiple continuities, yeah. and we have all of this, um, and then of course Berlanti has got now there is a multiverse still in the television world but Arrowverse mm-hmm. is now all one so Arrow Supergirl Flash uh, the new the new Green Arrow and the Canaries if they make that uh, Black Lightning um, which all means of those that are they essentially the they essentially did the they got the best of both worlds <laughs> this, this is this is too easy tonight. It is the best the best of both worlds for basically consolidating their characters into yeah. one world, but still having the multiverse to play in. And you get the super friends. And you get the super friends. <laughs> that did and they and they played the theme and I was like, okay, I see what you did there, and I approve. Yeah. And whatever disappointments there may be as part of Crisis on Infinite Earths. You still got Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it was probably as good as you're going to get, he's an, he's, given what you have. He's an example of someone who, on balance, being a fan and making the thing, yeah, he's had more hits than misses. Yes, he has. And it's... And how, that, however... Pretty good track record for TV production, period. However bumpy Arrow was... Uh, it was the launching point for all of this. And and one thing that Berlanti said in, in that panel where they talked about early on, they'd have to get permission. Okay, right. we want to use this character. Can we use this character? No, this character's tied up in a movie. And Hamada was talking about the fact that, well, yeah, you'd have this situation where they wanted to use a character on TV and he was tied up in development on film and it would be tied up for three years and maybe that movie never even happens. And that causes complications. And now, as my understanding, that goes away. Right. So you can have multiple versions of these characters because Berlani made a good point. I can watch a Batman, co- uh, I can watch a Batman cartoon 
and I can watch a Batman TV show, and I can watch a Batman movie, and I can read a Batman comic book, and I'm not confusing them. Right. It's trusting. It's trusting your audience to tell them yeah. apart. You 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 assume that your viewer or your reader is intelligent enough. Now, this is not to say that sometimes restrictions on this stuff doesn't mean the more creative thinking. Uh, I remember, um, what is it, uh, Gail Simone's Secret Six, really highly praised comic series. Okay, yeah. Um, she was not allowed, They it was. I guess it was year, was it Year of the Villain or uh, Villains United or one of, the, one of the big DC villain arcs. And so they said, you know, we want you to write this series. She goes, great, I want to use these, these villains. They said, no. Yeah, and so she ended up having to use, uh, you know, villains that were C-list and below. And what ended up happening is you end up with a version of Bane, which is extremely popular. You end up with a version of Catman, Catman, yeah, who's extremely popular. And that opportunity would not have been there if they'd been allowed to use these specific characters. But in the case of TV and movie, in case of this larger thing, this is actually. This I, is a big deal. And I think it's got it, it, potential... The potential for appealing to different parts of the fan base. Because you are... If you are... Some folks... Some folks are never going to pick up a comic. But they might watch two different... A TV show and a movie. Yeah. Some folks are going to... So there are comic book fans who look at the movies and go, Oh, they're getting it wrong. And I'm not going to see the sequel. And there's some comic book fans that do that with the TV. And exactly. <laughs> and so, and so the thing is, is that you, you you're you're able to appeal to a lot of your mm-hmm. audience, but you're not necessarily going. Everyone has to. This is the this is the only Batman you get. Yeah. Like it or not. Well, and and that's that's why that's we fine. got that's why we got Smallville, is because Batman was off limits because yeah. he was in the movies. And the one thing that Hamada said that Gotham is in continuity. I, you know, uh, well, it means it means that somewhere out there, there's another there's another Donald Logue playing Harvey Bullock. Ooh! And you could do it and again. And you could put him and you could put him on HB on the HBO Max series. Yes, you could. That would be fun. All right, all right. We have spoken. Donald Logue on the HBO Max. Because why because would you why not? not do that? But he says that... Because, again, the question is, is DC Comics going to keep making comic books? That's the first question on this Hollywood right. Reporter interview with Jim Lee. He's like, well, of course we're going to keep making comic books. I think the situation being such that the question even gets asked, that's how dire this, this whole thing has been. So, so Walter Hamada says that Jim Lee is the funnel and apparently just makes him the center and the comics are going to be the center through which everything comes in and out and weaves. And then he said something really interesting. When it comes to mixing the movies and the TV that they would meet... HBO Max would be the place that you could play with all of those things. And that tells me they're thinking about something. Well, it also tells you that they've been paying attention to the issues that Marvel has been having with their TV and film worlds. And the fact is, is that you have two different TV networks, essentially, with content, and the movie studio with the content. And this ne'er-the-twain-shall-meet mindset, which... 
caused massive problems for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Basically, a lot of folks who were really enjoying Daredevil and Jessica Jones and, and uh, Luke Cage, less or so with Iron Fist, but, you know, we're looking at the fact, we're basically getting told, you're never getting a Luke Cage movie. You're never getting a Daredevil movie. Not yeah. with these cast people. And, and people are going, but you cast these shows so well. You mean you're, they're all, what? Why would you, why would you lock them away? It's like, seriously, yeah. I mean, you could, who are you going to, who are you going to find who are better than these people? <coughs> right. Uh, and, and Marvel, I, and there's rumblings now that Marvel's like, yeah, maybe we'll bring them over here. Mm-hmm. But DC basically saying, well, there's a rumor that uh, uh, Cox, Char- was yeah, Charlie, Charlie Cox, Cox, could show up in the next Spider-Man movie as Peter Parker's lawyer. Yeah. Now, to me, there's another opportunity. My first thought was not Matt Murdock. Jessica uh, uh, Jennifer Justin, Walters. Jennifer Walters, yeah. Because you're getting a, a, a She-Hulk TV show. Right. That's part of the continuity. Oh. But what so, you do is it, it, you bring you them put in. them opposite each other. Well, you could do that, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because well, that's true because they're both defense lawyers. But the thing is, is that you basically, you know, you know, Matt Murdock comes in and and you basically, you know, it's, it's he's the he because you recognize him, you go, it's like, oh, it's, oh yeah, we get our and he goes, I need to talk. I, let me talk to a colleague of mine. Let me bring in a colleague on this for second chair. Sure. And then and she then shows up, and then and then the <clears throat> other fans who know who she is go. And it's Allison Brie, and of course everybody just blows blows her mind. Uh, Robert in the chat says, "I've only watched Batman the Animated Series and Justice League Animated. Uh, I was amazed at how good the '90s were for DC animation, and the animated DC movies have been fun too. And that gives me an opportunity to mention the IGN panel after Fandom, because apparently on Sunday IGN did a thing where we find out." On the animated side of things, because uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow just dropped. And now IGN's got a report that we're getting three more animated pictures. One of them is an adaptation of The Long Halloween Mm -hmm. by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. Right. And if they do to that what they did to Hush, I will be upset. Because Hush, the last third of Hush, is a completely different story than what's in the book. If you're going to adapt the book, adapt the book, and uh, and I, assume that your 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 audience is smart enough that if Batman has a Robin and a Batgirl and a Who'sie What's It and whatever, that's in the book. Put it in the movie. You would- it doesn't have to fit. The continuity of everything. Well, but the thing is, is that the, that continuity, the DC film continuity, ended. I know. We are in, we are now in a new phase, which again yeah. works in nicely what they're it, doing. It does. But for those of you who didn't know this, the um, Justice League Dark, the Justice League Dark movie, yeah, which was not really a Justice League Dark movie, by the way, um, ended the DC movie continuity. It wiped its slit. The it, Flashpoint. It Flashpoint. It Flashpointed it. Yeah. Uh, at the end, and basically, it was their rebirth. So now, the final moments of that film. Besides, besides the long Halloween, we're also getting Justice Society World War Two. So that's going to be a period piece. Could be very interesting. And this is the fun one: Batman Soul of the Dragon. 
and you have Lady Shiva, and you have a character named Richard Dragon, who looks exactly like Jim Kelly from Enter the Dragon. It's not an accident, folks, because his name in the in the movie is Richard Dragon. If that's not a nod and a wink and a look at what we're doing, folks. You know, it's like Rocket Raccoon. You see me winking? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're doing. But it looks fun. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that that opens actually up a door for maybe the Vic Sage question, mm-hmm. which then down the line opens up the door for the Raymond, uh, Rene Montoya question. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is there's all kinds of things this could build on. And speaking of which, plug here, folks, for a DC live action uh, uh, TV show. I, don't, I think it would work better as a TV show. Give us, give us a Vic Sage TV show. A Vic I Sage think question. Be fun. Because you could do it as a crime drama. Oh, absolutely. In a, in a, and, in a corrupt given, city with... I mean, and all given the, oh. the critical acclaim that Perry Mason is getting now, even though I'm hearing a lot of people saying, eh, it was all right. Um, I haven't I haven't watched it yet. It's on I my either. list, but it, God, it looks good visually. Yeah. Visually, it's gorgeous. And technically, what it is, it's a prequel to the to the to the Raven Burr series, but it's and and I haven't learned. But apparently, the last of the season picks up the first Earl Stanley Gardner book. Ah, okay, and. From what I'm reading, the the Raymond Burr, the Perry Mason series, the Raymond Burr series, apparently didn't stick very close to the it books. Did, it either. didn't. It didn't. So there's some opportunity. There's some room there. But apparently, this first season takes us to the point where you get the Perry Mason that's in the books, and I guess well, are do you care about technical spoilers not story spoilers but spoilers don't bother me in the slightest there is at the end of this season they play the Raymond Burr theme oh excellent going out and I have to say purely purely as just a side note um, and and I I think it's unfortunate it got cancelled but um, uh, Penny Dreadful City of Angels um, uh, uh, the Perry Mason show uh, the Lovecraft Country Guys, we are in an amazing era for production design. Yeah. These shows are beautiful. They are gorgeous looking. And con, con, you know, however you think yeah. of the stories themselves, well, the also, look is amazing. And I'm a production designer that, guy, so yeah, it also shows that there's uh, there is room for period pieces. Well, and, and and honestly, as much as I love the modern incarnation of the Justice Society, they're the children of. They're the next generation of the Justice Society in the Robinson run. That that they were the 1940s heroes. These are the folks who took up their mantle. Stargirl followed Starman. There's, I want the I want the uh, the Jack Knight Starman to finally make an appearance. Now that we've got, uh, the, it's a multiverse. Bring bring back the 1990s, uh, early 2000s yeah. Starman. Uh, but he his father was the 1940s Starman. So I mean, there's these all these different things that. I'm excited about a period piece. Uh, well, and Justice Society. And on the Titan side of things, you f- you have Red Hood mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, Jason Todd is going to be the villain, and you have Scarecrow. And at some point, 
they mention Barbara Gordon is the commissioner. Because we first heard Barbara Gordon was going to be there. We're thinking, okay, Oracle. Right. But in the panel, which really wasn't much of a panel, but at some point the showrunner was in there. He said something about when Barbara Gordon comes back, he said she's the commissioner. Hmm. So this is this is also another continuity because that's Batman Beyond when she was But the question is, is it and it probably is, but remember that Barbara Gordon is named after her mother. Barbara Gordon in some continuities. So Jim Gordon's wife They would do that. Jim Gordon's wife is commissioner, and, and Jim Gordon is not as commissioner? I think it's possible. Yeah, but... Oh, a universe, a universe where Jim Gordon isn't but, the commissioner, but, the but Barbara is, Gordon is? Anytime you say Barbara Gordon, the assumption is Batgirl. Well, that's that's the assumption. I'm saying and it's probably it's probably going to be the Barbara Gordon we're thinking of. Yeah. But it's also because they're leaning into the, con, you know, the fact that it's a multiverse. You could change that, and suddenly you don't... You know, you've got a Commissioner Gordon... But it's the other... Yeah, maybe. Uh, the other and of course, we're getting Blackfire, um, which I mm -hmm. thought, excuse me, is, is interesting because I remember Blackfire from the com from the comic books. Sure, right. And I, I haven't watched Titans. It's on my list. I've got I've to gotta catch up. But I remember thinking Rocky to myself, beginning from what I heard, but I hear, heard it settled into something that people have been enjoying. I haven't seen it. Starfire and Blackfire are aliens. Let's, right. let's, let's stipulate that. Um... And I know whatever, whatever blowback or anything, Siblings. having people of color, you know, having having black women play these characters, to me that's that's immaterial on the surface because I don't black, white, tan, Asian, whatever doesn't matter because they're aliens and they should be orange. That, I mean that to me, I'm I'm looking at Tamaranians from the comic book. They don't look like Tamaranians. Black or white. It does, I think... It, they I, I, don't look like the characters in the comic books. But it's a multiverse. I know, but still. But it's a multiverse. But they don't look a thing like the characters in the comic books. But sometimes, you know what, uh, for all we know, and I, we don't know, but for all we know, they did a very extensive uh, color test and sat there and went, yeah, so this orange is not going to work. Or we're just we or because I mean let's face it there look there are certain colors that on camera I know look very odd and I'm not saying that orange is one of them I honestly I'm I'm saying but that as many cosplayers as have been able to do the orange body paint but the thing is, is that and cos do it well but cosplayers also stand still I've seen video as well and cosplayers don't work in the kind of lighting conditions and all these I different know. things I but I, it's but it's possible. That's all I'm saying. Um, it's a multiverse. Relax. All right. So Shazam. The only thing we got is the new title. Right. Fury of the Gods, and the fact that Sinbad's going to be in it. Who is he playing? Tony the Tiger. <laughs> oh, that would be something, wouldn't it? I I okay. I want him to be playing. Would, um, they, would they relegate him just to a voice, though? Um, actually, I'm thinking he might actually be... He's not going to be Uncle Dudley. No. Um, 
Actually, I don't think he should be Tony's tiger. But um, maybe you know they might use him as a voice, and and certainly uh, he's got a, he's he's got a good voice. I mean, I think he did voice work quite. He's done voice oh, sure. work before. Um, but who did they have for Mister Mind? I don't know, but I mean that that's already been cast because they had well, somebody we had, play. Well, we had somebody playing at the end of the movie. They wouldn't necessarily. I don't. I don't. Know I don't know. Have him play I don't know. Mr. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think uh, the the funny answer is is you know cast him as a tiger, uh, but uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, and the fun thing is is that you know he could be like a lot of other comedic actors. He might do drama extremely well. Oh, I imagine he would. Um, so I'm looking. I'm, I'm kind of. Cu- I'm curious. Because uh, he kind of did a little, not a lot, but he had his moments in Necessary Roughness, with Scott Bakula and Jason Bateman that was shot on the campus of my college back way back in the day. Um, it's a fun movie. I wish I had worked on it. I should have worked on it. I was stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I. Well, and and there's certain you could, you have a certain amount of uh, comedy built into the Shazam. Films, they right. then we are we are actually get a superhero comedy. We already have one at Shazam, uh, but and it shouldn't be. But well, yeah. but I think I think it manages to work. Now the fun part yeah. is here's the fun part is is when because at some point you have to cross over Shazam and Black Adam, yeah, and then your tone changes. And I think that that's actually, you know, I think there will be a certain amount of. You're going to want it to be... The thing that bothers me about the modern era Shazam, Captain Marvel, is... Take, it up, whole... take it up with the legal teams. I know, I know, I know. But the thing that gets me more than anything else is when Jeff Johns redid him for New 52, the whole he's still Billy inside, to me, doesn't work. Because Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon, it's right there in the name. It's the very first thing. It, it, and out of that whole raft of characters in the acronym Shazam, Solomon is the only historic figure. Everybody else is myth. Zeus, Hercules, Atlas, you know, Achilles, all this. Solomon. The wisdom of Solomon. And when he is Captain Marvel, he's not Billy. It's a completely new identity. It's a completely new perspective. He's, he's, he's a grown-up. And he has the wisdom of Solomon. And for him to sit there and go, It's me, Billy! No, it's not! You're Captain Marvel! It's multiverse. I don't like it. It doesn't make it doesn't work because of the way the character has been constructed. the 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 whole point of Billy getting these powers is not so it can be Billy in a in a grown up suit, but I'm, they're playing it as big in a cape, and I'm, I don't like it. I never have. I always thought it was a. Stupid, stupid idea. Well, it was a part terrible of, take. On it the was character. part of a lot of different takes of the Fifty Two era. And I, I know, and I didn't like the new Fifty Two era. I didn't. But care. that there was, was a lot that was the one that made the least amount of sense to me. But that's just me. I'm all, I, yeah. because you know, and I'm reading some of the older 
Captain Marvel stuff, the older mm-hmm. Shazam stuff. And Captain Marvel is aware that he's Billy, but and and Billy is aware that he's Captain Marvel, but the maturity and the attitude change is complete well, when he's I, one or the other. I think the 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 potential for the film version is that the young man playing Billy is going to do what every young man does. Is in between movies, he's going to get older. So eventually, yeah. you're going to have. I mean, if the the film is successful, you're getting a sequel. It's probably going to have a sequel after that, et cetera. As long as they're <coughs> as long as they're profitable, right. you know. But so the thing is, is that we may actually get to watch the character grow up into grow into the wisdom. Yeah. And but anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Sci-fi stop says, "Don't get so worked up. It's just a movie about space wizards and laser swords." <laughs> Very true. That's, that's Star Wars. Also, don't get so worked up about it. Yeah, no, I've I've given up on Star Wars. Um, last uh, was it last week? We got word. Now going back to the DC layoffs, Bob Harris being one of them. Now when they did this, they cut everybody out. They gave them ninety days. Bleeding Cool broke the news that Bob Harris has left already. Yeah, he's like he's done. I'm out. So that begs the question: Is he? Doing something else? Does he have an offer suddenly? Heaven help whoever hires him. And or could he just retire at this point? Could he just retire? Could he be? Could he be doing a Dan Didio? Okay, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go do something else now. Didio was still writing Metal Men, right? Or at least he was. I don't know what the title's doing now. But could Bob Harris? Be moving on to something else. One of the ones that got canceled. Has it been canceled? I think so. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe because I. um, It was not of the of the current crop. It was, and I thought I thought DC's been putting out too many titles, but a lot of a lot of them have actually been quite good. Well, that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean they've sold. Yeah. My taste. My tastes are my tastes, right? So I mean, just because I like something doesn't mean it sells. Know how your tastes go? Yeah, they're Um. really good and well refined, Um, but. The question becomes, you know, um, I, I'm suspecting it was because I thought it was there was some interesting stuff with it, but it was not something that I was like, I gotta read the new Metal Men. Well, and speaking of Dio, yeah, that brings up 5G because one of the one of the things about 5G was we were going to get new versions of the legacy characters, new yeah. Batman, new Superman. 5G was such a bad idea, but. Apparently, it's not completely dead because John Ridley, who wrote 12 Years a Slave, he won an Oscar, he's going to do a run of some kind of Batman. Mm-hmm. And he we call says, these Elseworlds. Well, see, the word Elseworlds never came up. But it's a multiverse. I know, it's a multiverse, but the Elseworlds... I would love to see Elseworlds come back officially. Well, I think the problem with doing the problem with doing Elseworlds as a label is that once you say it's a multiverse, the Elseworlds were a nice way for us for writers to get around the fact that there was only one universe yeah. now. But the the story that Ridley's doing is and he said in the panel he said I'm pretty 
the the odds are better than 40 47% that it's going to be a person of color which tells me that it's likely he's picking up the 5G ball as it concerns Batman and we're going to get Luke Fox potentially or Batwing whoever you know the right, whole yeah. Batwing Batman Incorporated thing mm -hmm. because it's not going to be black Bruce Wayne one would think not, although to be, there have been um, the Supreme, not Squadron Supreme, it was the Supreme title. It was sort of the, uh -huh. um, Marvel did the, um, it was Marvel. Yeah. Um, their their version, their, their sort of grown-up adult version of the Squadron Supreme, the Nighthawk character, which was their Batman analog, uh, was black. Um that was a that was a series that had a lot of potential and was really very interesting. It was also really grim. And you uh, well and and if you're going to do a black Batman, if it's not Bruce Wayne, okay, fine. Luke Fox can wear the wear the costume, can be a Batman. Mm -hmm. We've had other people wear the costume before. Dick Grayson has been Batman. Um, uh, Jean Paul Valley you know, Valley was Batman for a while. So it's not a new idea um, because you know at some point Bruce Wayne is going to be Batman again. Well, and if you're and, well, the thing is that if it's set in the future, and the, here's the problem with the five G thing at, at its core for me, right? Yeah, is that it's another new fifty two because yeah. because okay here here's the thing is that legacy characters happen. And they're gonna happen, and they'll happen again in the future, folks. Because eventually, sit there, people sit there and go, "How old is Barry Allen now? Is he not like 150 years old? And or how old is Wally West now? You know, it's eventually Bart Allen takes up the mantle, and he's the Flash. And it, and when it's when it's Wally West doing it, and it works, et cetera, et cetera. Right? See, I had always I I Ezra Miller's Flash feel so much more like Bart than than either Barry or Wally for me. He feels like that's Bart. I'm I'm watching Bart Allen with him. And I think that for our generation of comic readers, um probably for our kids. Well he doesn't feel like Wally either. Yeah, but we're the the a lot of the younger readers right now have gotten a Wally West who is very the Wally West in the comics now, well, not currently now, because now he's off in an interdimensional, uh, yeah. which is which is an interesting storyline, but it's not what you expect from. Now, the are you talking about Wally West, or are you talking about Wally West? I'm talking about, I'm talking about the return of the original Wally West, who was forgotten for a time in in New Fifty Two, and that was actually became a plot point of Rebirth. Yeah, that Wally West was one of the characters who had vanished. And had not had an not had an analog version of themselves in the New Fifty Two universe, and that was actually became a plot point, which is kind of clever. But yeah, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of Bart. But so the problem with the five G is that it's a gimmick. Yes. And not to mention, okay, five G technology <laughs> is sell. Okay, just because AT and T bought you. <laughs> That's the whole thing. It's, it's like, the whole really? Is that what you're going to call this? And, and the thing is, but here's the thing. It's automatically dated because you know what's going to happen in five years, ten years? 
6G. 6G? 7G? What's going to happen? It's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. It's a, and it it's a, it's a, 5G 2.0. And, and it's not even a clever gimmick. Well, and it's not original either. No. Um, but... It's a whole yeah. new set of number ones. But here's the thing. Here, well, see, the thing about it is, though, from what I've been able to tell, 5G is done. Oh, yeah. No, They're not doing 5G, but they may tie in some of the ideas of 5G. Into the multiverse. Into the multiverse. Which but is it also, fine. You could connect it into death metal. You could connect. Cause sure. We didn't hear anything about Sean Gordon Murphy stuff. Well, actually, we didn't hear anything really about any of the comic stuff. We're getting that September 12th. This was so much more... This is all the, the media, yeah, media, media so. stuff. But if Ridley does Black Batman, mm -hmm. there is an opportunity here because Black Batman from Oscar-winning screenwriter John Ridley could transition into Milestone and could be a marketing device plot device to take Batman fans into a milestone into a milestone universe. Two decades this gap here between milestone. Yeah. And if you if you are old enough to remember when milestone was a thing, it was a big thing. Yeah. It would I mean it wasn't just here's a bunch of just you know here here's a universe of black superheroes. It was a it was this is a well-written series of comic books that happen to have black superheroes in it. Not everything was perfect, of course, but... And, and everybody is back. Dennis Cowan's back. Reginald Hudlin's back. And it's a shame that Dwayne McDuffie's not. Yeah. Because Dwayne McDuffie really was Milestone. And for, you know, his death... And then whatever, you know, the the milestone going away, it was almost like it, that whole thing, that whole era died with McDuffie. Yeah. It's really exciting to see it come back. The thing is, you're bringing it back without Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah. What's it going to look like? Here's the thing. If you're bringing it back in your goal, here, here's here's what I hope for. If you're bringing it back and your goal is to honor the memory by, you know, just right. every, everything involved is like, and, and the question is, would he like it? Would he, would he think this was a cool idea? Would he think this is fun? Would he like this? I'm doing a new version of this character. I'm putting my own spin on the character. Would he think, you know, if I, if I talked about what, what, what you know. The the and I think that's something that is not a bad idea when you pick up somebody else's work, is to think about, okay, it it doesn't have to be the same. You don't no. have you don't have to tell the exact same kind of stories. You can redesign the character. You can do all kinds of things. But the question you have to ask yourself, and hopefully you can do it when they're alive, is what do you think about this? I want to do this. I want to do this with the character. I wonder if there are any of Dwayne McDuffie's notes. That have been sitting Ooh. around all this time for question. when Milestone was to return. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. That'd be because cool. Because we also got somebody, I think it was Jim Jim Lee dropped, that they are talking about, no, Reginald Huttle mentioned it, that they are developing a Static Shock movie. About bloody time. They wouldn't be doing it 
if Into the Spider-Verse had not been a hit. So for the Static Shock, how long was the cartoon in the air? Three years? Something like Five that. Five years? The, the, one of the few characters to, lead, to come out of uh, Milestone yeah. and actually get <clears throat> move into the DC Universe uh, you know, to get a cartoon. Real, people love this character. And the fact that, the fact that you basically had, I mean, gay, I would go, you know, Into the Spider-Verse is a great movie. It's, it's very, it's very well-crafted. Fantastic. It, it's open doors. But it's, it's like, really? We had to wait this long? And, well, and it's, you know, it goes back to what I've said before. Hollywood always learns the wrong lessons from successes and failures. Yeah. And the the female superhero thing is just an example of that but they look at Into the Spider-Verse they look at uh, the new Spider-Man video game that features Miles Morales hey he's a hot well, hot and, character. You know, and Black Panther made money and yeah. all these things okay. which is great finally they're who finally... do we have it's yeah. just like AT&T going what what do we have that's like the Mandalorian oh okay let's do that so it's the same kind of thing the good news is, is that we're getting the movie and, We're hopefully, the movie. and the thing is, is and that this is this is one of those movies that, by the way, appeals potentially to not only the demographic that you're aiming for, your 15 to 35, but if you do something as good as, if not better, than Into the Spider Verse, you're capturing the 35 yeah. and up. Well, to, and Jim Lee know. says not only are you getting a relaunch in February. But we're also getting all of the original catalog digitally first, and they're gonna they're gonna reissue all of that. There's gonna be YA on everything, and there's gonna be merch. You're actually gonna get Milestone Comics merchandise backed by DC. Now, my my wondering is, is Milestone going to be its own thing like DC Black Label and, and and that Vertigo type of thing or are they going to roll the Milestone characters under the DC label and it's so, going to be DC Comics Icon and Rocket I would uh, hope my, and here's my hope um, I would like to see it do like they're doing Sandman Universe Sandman Universe is Sandman Universe. Um, I'd like Milestone... For, first of all, I think Milestone can, and it did, stand on its own. I have no problems with DC publishing it. But I also want it to be able to sit there and have its crossover moments Sure. with... And now that it's a multiverse, you can. But I, I don't want... I don't want to exclude it from the DC universe so you can have it, your, your, the Prime Universe, whatever the form of the Prime Universe takes, because then you get your crossover episodes. But it's also got its own set of stories mm. that I would not, I kind of, and maybe I'm wrong, I kind of don't want to see those diluted. If you, Especially if you're picking up some of the storylines from the original well, one. I'm not sure that you would dilute them if they're still part of the DC universe, because you could tell those stories because how many times have we have we seen you know i mean i mean it's a staple in comic books the solo the I know. solo titles i know i know where 
Why don't you call the Justice League? Because and well, but the where thi- are they? But the thing is, is that the and for all the cool things we're hearing, you know, a lot of cool things happening with with DC right now. This is great. The thing is, is that suddenly you feel like you have to make this comic relevant by bringing in Batman. My concern. And nothing wrong with Batman. It's just like that's like that's like right. you know. And and now that this comic needs some Wolverine. The potential problem, let me say, with Milestone is since it is predominantly a black cast of characters, there is a danger, and you could very easily go down the slippery slope of making all of it about now. And then you date it, and then it becomes all political, and that's not what Milestone was. Yes, you're making a statement with that universe, because it's the black characters, but... They just happened to be the black characters. The publicity made a big deal of it, but the stories didn't make a big deal of right. it. And if you start, well, I think all I, of that, there's. I think I think you that you could do it wrong. You could do it wrong, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that not rolling it into the larger DC universe as part of, you know, is not a necessarily a, is is a bad idea. I'm just saying that at least initially. Mm-hmm. Um, because I also think it means that they allows them to have their own continuity yeah. in a way that doesn't have to it doesn't have to line up to sure. what's going on in Superman right now or what's going on in Batman or what's going on in Wonder Woman. You have these characters and and I think I think you can still meet the goal of having this great character interactions at least for now, at least for now. Um, and then roll it in, you know, maybe you roll it in over time. Or you decide that you want to keep them uh, where you can make it a big deal that this is a crossover event. Well, if you put them on Earth-M, and do you put the Shazam family back on Earth-S? Well, it, it, again, it, it kind of depends on what you're... <sighs> Since Rebirth... Because the multiverse... Is Rebirth actually over, over at this point? It's I, hard to tell. I think I think Rebirth rolled into Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that Doomsday Clock, and now we've got... Um, so, death me- the, the Death Metal universe is still going That's on. That's a different thing. The Murphyverse is a different thing. Yeah, I know, because we've actually jumped ahead in time, and now everything's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, but there's all this... I think I think at this point, you can't... Well, you can have the Shazam family on Earth S, but it would be a different Shazam family, which maybe means you've got Shazam more along the lines of the classical version of Shazam. And then in this continuity, because it's in this continuity already, you have the current incarnation of, of the character. That's the thing about the multiverse, is that you can actually go in and have, you know, you can have static shock in both worlds. You can have more than one Batman. You can have more than one Batman. And so what do you think of the trailer? So, as a fan of the detective side of the Batman, mm-hmm. of the of, of the fact that it leaned very much into the crime drama, film noir aesthetic... Which we have not had with Batman. I liked it yeah. for that. Now, um, 
and and I'm not a Nirvana fan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I I was of the right age. Okay. I mean, I was I was exactly the right age to be a Nirvana fan. Never was a fan. Uh, it's fine. It's great. I, if you're a fan of Nirvana, all power to you. It never appealed to me. I was not a grunge fan. I yeah, me neither. Um, and I have friends who loved it, so that's okay. But the song, I think, played really, really well into the into the trailer. Sure. Um, it's a new version of the Riddler we haven't seen before, which is that's who it is, by the way. For the you had yeah. that, it's, it's a Riddler. And I've character. seen this is Riddler as Hush, and I don't think that's what we're getting. There was at. a guy on Twitter, and because of course I was looking at the responses on Twitter to the Twitter, yeah. who actually solved. The riddle. Oh yeah, did the and, just, the, and yeah, broke it all the, down. Yeah. I was like, you got a lot of time in your hands. Oh, you're but, yeah. clever. But um, what I, what I, what I, my takeaway from it when they were doing you and they're leading into the whole murder mystery thing, mm -hmm. and when Matt Reeves was talking about it, and they were talking about the history of the, you know, the history of Gotham City, the history of the Wayne family, and mm -hmm. this, my immediate first thought was. Gates of Gotham, mm. which is this graphic novel about the founding of Gotham City mm -hmm. from four prominent families, right. the Cobblepots being one, the Canes being one, the Waynes being another, mm -hmm. and these architects, basically these two brothers, building Gotham for the families, and of course every bridge is named for one of the families. And, and whatever happens, one of the brothers dies, and there's disgrace, and now a descendant is coming in and killing off people. And as I'm looking through it, I'm like, well, okay, Riddler's not in this story. Uh, Cassandra Kane, Batgirl, is in this story. Robin and uh, or, yeah, Tim Drake and... Damien mm -hmm. and Dick Grayson are all in this story mm -hmm. with Bruce. So this is not a year two. You couldn't do this right. strictly as a year two adaptation. You could take elements of it, but I don't... I, I'm looking through it. My first thought is Gates of Gotham, but I don't think they're doing Gates of Gotham. No, I don't think I, so. They may be pulling pieces of well, it. Well, I mean, at one point they were talking about basically they're going to try and lean into the long Halloween... Um, a lot, but the Long Halloween's getting its own adaptation, right? And, and even and even then, you couldn't do the Long Halloween as a two-hour movie. I'm sorry, you just couldn't. No, and I'm I'm hard pressed to figure how they're going to do it as a cartoon. Don't do it as a single cartoon. I know, part yeah, nothing else could be yeah. a part one and a part two. Um, I no, I just I don't know. I mean, the we know that I am reassured somewhat by the trailer because I'm old enough to remember when fans went Mr. Mom yeah. are you insane and yet he's an iconic Batman and, and so he's coming back and everybody's excited about well, it well and, and 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 Pattinson for all the you know oh god Twilight Re remember he hated Twilight too yeah uh, <laughs> Matt Reeves says he's like a chameleon he's such a gifted actor he is a really actually he's his, um, so many indie pictures that are really the, good. The thing is, he said uh, something that Matt Reeves said is he's got the soul of someone who can play Batman in a way you haven't seen before, and I'm curious what that hmm. means, because yes, it's year two. Uh, this is a Batman who's going to be making mistakes, 
and I get that. And you know, he's still figuring himself out. He's still figuring out what this Batman mythology is going to be. I'm hoping we're not getting any kind of an origin flashback, and my impression is we're not, because we've seen it. I don't know how many. I times think now. it may be the law, so there's probably going to be something. You know what? An, an, a Batman, a Batman who honestly doesn't feel like he knows what he's doing. We really haven't seen that before. Yeah. But when he's invoking things like Chinatown and French Connection and Taxi Driver, okay, this is going to be a completely new aesthetic for a Batman story. And I'm intrigued. I'm still not completely sold on Pattinson. Well, bear, but, bear in mind that everything that... And this is initially a trailer. I mean, this yeah. is all this is. all this is. But basically, we did not... Aside from, you know, the car... Which is a visual. That's it's not a yeah. you know it, it's a car with a cool thing. It's not necessarily you know. A, a, we didn't see him do anything that wasn't basically a man in a suit did a thing, yeah. which making him very much. I mean, for all the for all the fact that Nolan films were very were, were more rooted in reality, um, at least in this trailer, it looks like it's even more grounded in reality. Which, Which could be interesting. Could be interesting. It could be a horrible, horrible mistake. Yeah, but I mean, at least at least the trailer looks interesting. Uh, now the other the other part of it is you know we've got the introduction of Zoe Kravitz's bat. Which looks fine Catwoman. for as brief as we saw. Her. And from the if it happened before I was born, it didn't happen. Department. <laughs> you have this new kid who's going to be playing Batwoman. And they did this panel about, you know, representation or whatever. And I want to I want to make sure I get this right. What's her name? Javicia. What whatever her name is is going to be the new the new Batwoman. Mm -hmm. And she, they they talk about uh, yeah Javicia in in the Legacy of Batman panel. She says, Eartha Kitt was the first Catwoman. And I just wanted to reach into the screen and grab her ear and say, no, because she wasn't the first. Right. That's revisionist history. If you're trying to really say that she was first, because she wasn't first, she was second. Well, or was she trying? Or was she trying to say she was the first black Catwoman, and, and, and no, she didn't? And she just didn't say no, black. No, she said the first Catwoman. Well, but she wasn't. She was the first black Catwoman. Yes. Which, may, which again, but maybe what she was trying to say. I don't know. I didn't the, actually watch the panel. So but I the thing that gets me mm -hmm. is that when Eartha Kitt played Catwoman, it was no big deal. If you'd had that going on now. Front page headlines. Oh, this is stunning and brave. It's a, because they would have played the race card, and that would have been all it was I about. I guarantee you there were people who were upset about that. There were that. probably people that were upset. I guarantee there were, there were but plenty of people who were upset about that. The, the fact, avenue for them to talk about it But the didn't fact exist. that they even cast her. But you go back and you look at the original Star Trek, something that I noted the other night. I was watching uh, Court Martial. Hmm. You have Commodore Stone who's in charge of a starbase. He's black. Mm -hmm. And in one throwaway line, he talks about commanding a starship. Mm -hmm. 
okay. And they didn't make a huge deal of it. There was no big, you know, well, in your face, hey, look, black guy commanded a starship. Whereas now, they would have leaned so heavily into it, you'd be looking at the screen going, okay, yeah, I see, you hit, hit me on the head with the point. But that's for her, a, you said there's, I, it's, it's, a, it's a perception for me. And that's it's definitely a perception for yeah. you. But, and, but, but for I, her to sit there and say the first, Eartha Kitt was the first Catwoman tells me that she, the impression, I'll, I'll say this, the impression is that feeds into what some people have complained about some of this is that you've got people that don't understand the material making the stuff. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what it is. But when she sits there and says, Eartha Kit was the first cat one, I'm thinking, wait a minute. No, not, wait, no. Do your homework. Okay. Uh, I didn't see the panel, so I can't speak about this. But you are getting awfully worked up, which some uh, A, could have been a misstatement. She could have, could actually, have been. She could have, could have been. she could have actually been trying to say the first black cat woman, because that would be it accurate. Could have been. And I'm, uh, yeah, and I'm, and, okay. and, and here's the other but, thing. Here's the other thing. This is somebody who is kind of young. And I know people and mistake. She, yeah, I, so I, getting I, worked up about this, I'm not getting worked up. But I'm just, is it's just it's silly. Just, it's just it's an example silly. of silly. Do your homework and well, do your homework, of course. And and what you say, yeah. But she would hardly be the first person to misspeak in any. I know public I know. forum. Now, one comment that I did see is a lament, a lamentation that the DC fandom didn't give us very much in the way of comics news. Yeah. Because without the comics, you wouldn't have any of the rest of this. And right. it's a valid concern. But my understanding is the September 12th right. event is going to lean more heavily into comics announcements, mm -hmm. which really, given what just happened with the blood Makes back, sense. Yeah, I, I think probably fact, some of it was we've got too much for one weekend already. Let's split it out because I, the CW, the TV stuff is going to be on that September 12th yeah. day. The kids stuff is going to be there. The comic stuff is going to be there. So give it its own time. Okay, fine. But I think a fair amount of it came out of we're reassessing how we're going to do this. Yeah. And, and, and what we plan and to announce this weekend. all the cancellations and everything I, I, else. I think that with with the Warner Media side of the DC production stuff, the, stuff, the, the TVs and the movies stuff, so much of that stuff is already in position. Right. It's already in the pipeline. Um, although I was pleased to see that at least the Sandman uh, panel, they right. spent a bit of time talking about the the current series, um, but and and the history of the history yeah. of the series. So. All right, I'm going to see if this is going to work. I don't think it's going to. What work. are you going to do? Um, now that I'm looking at it, I don't have. I don't have a uh, a shortcut, a keyboard shortcut here for our superhero stuff graphic. Oh. So, and it doesn't even look like this is doing anything here. So, <laughs> so I'll have to go over to that microphone. So stand by because we're already we're already over two yeah, hours. So yeah, I think so. we're gonna go ahead and wrap up. Let me let me cross the Cross the streams. Cross the camera here. 
The universe is just going to crack. I'll turn on this microphone so people can still hear me. And I will throw up this graphic here if you want to save money on swag, t-shirts, and backpacks, and socks. Uh, you can save uh, 10% when you use the promo code sci-fi for me at superherostuff.com. And you can then take that money uh, that you save and you can give it to us. We've got a Subscribestar account. We've got a PayPal account. Those links are in the show notes. And um, let's see here. That one. Uh, we'll throw Tim back up there and throw that one there. <laughs> um, yeah, for whatever reason, I have no idea why all of the everything... It's it's one of those things where when the 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 external hard drives reset, yeah, then everything stops. And I'm actually surprised that we even have one camera that's working tonight. So, <laughs> uh, if you would like to uh, get a sticker, a logo sticker, we have a mailing address: fifteen oh three Main Street, number three oh five, Grandview, Missouri six four zero three zero, and you can get one of these nice little logo stickers there uh and then um we do want to uh let you know about tomorrow night uh we've got a new episode of salacious crumbs with the latest star wars news all through the week we have live from the bunker monday through thursday at 12 noon and then on friday night we've got the ranker pit which is our star wars discussion program that's at 9 p.m eastern 8 central and then Saturday morning, Good Morning Multiverse, with all the latest news headlines and such. And I'm going to let Tim wrap things up. Well, all right then. So we appreciate you guys uh, joining us for this. And if, obviously, if you are listening to the show as a podcast, uh, we uh, the, there, there are nifty visuals over on YouTube. And uh, if you are want to listen to the show as a podcast after you've watched it, take us with you. We have lots of our episodes available out there as audio-only versions as well as video versions. And the first 150 episodes, well, there's a couple of them that are missing, but most of the 150 are audio are only. on sci fi com. Yes. And mm -hmm. then uh, the other stuff, we're on iHeartRadio and we're on Apple Podcasts. Podcast.com and yeah, places podcast. like that. So we encourage you to check out that. We've been talking about this for a while. And considering we are coming up on an anniversary... Um, Wait, what? What? It's true. Yeah. We're it's coming up. Yeah. Which which uh, gives me opportunity to say we are not going to have an episode right. next week. We're going to take a bye week next week. So no H2O podcast next Monday the 31st. So. But we will be back, and we hope that you will join us again, and where we will have a topic of some kind. There will be something. Idea. Okay, I'm sure you do. Ideas, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we appreciate you folks watching and listening, and we hope that you will join us again. Yes, and make sure you have your subs uh, be sure you're subscribed and have your notifications turned on. And if you want to sign up for the newsletter, there's a link there. And we will be back in two weeks' time. Thanks for watching, folks. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.